So, all right. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of Dangerous Rhetoric. This is episode 33. And yes. today we are joined by Mr. Joshua Slocum from the Disaffected Podcast. Thank you for joining us, Joshua. Thanks, Josh. Thank you. We're so excited to talk to you about crazy people today. Yeah, <laughs> lots of interesting things, lots of interesting things. So do you just want to give a brief uh, description of your podcast and what it is you do? Sure. Uh, Disaffected is a weekly podcast. We do it on video. It also goes out on audio. And what I say in the beginning is we look at culture and politics and relationships through a psychological lens. And the idea for the show came from... Um, my long experience in my family with um, a mother with a severe cluster B personality disorder um, and the abuse that happened in my family that I had to confront in 2016 when I had to get my mother out of my life. And I suddenly realized that the, the lying, the manipulation, the false victimhood, all of these things that were familiar to my siblings and to me um, from the psychological distortions in my family were the same things that I was seeing controlling the conversation on the political left, particularly the woke or social justice left. Um, so the nutshell thesis of the show is that a big part of the problem that we are all dealing with, with wokeness, and it's not just wokeness anymore, it's now the mainstream left, it's not just the fringe, um, that a lot of this is driven by people with clinical pathological levels of narcissism, emotional instability, um, weak egos, and posturing that can all be described with the psychiatric category of cluster B personality disorders. Yeah, and those are like people, so uh, we've done a, I've done a little research into narcissism and yeah, there's a few books I'm already thinking of now, especially in regarding his mom and that stuff. The Narcissistic Family. Yeah, Narcissistic Family by the Pressmans is a, a really good um, um, sort of trope that describes the, the family situation. Trapped in the Mirror. That's another one that just came to mind. Yeah, that's another good one. But it's uh, it's actually, it seems like these, these disorders are very common, that they're uh they kind of appear on a spectrum so they can be you know like really really bad or they can be just kind of minor and that normal people can even have symptoms of the disorder if they're having like a really bad day uh and that the the difference there between somebody who's having you know a lot of stress or like a really bad day is that the the persistence of the symptoms tend to occur much more frequently and much more regularly and uh, can be triggered with like a very, very like soft trigger as opposed to somebody who's having a really intense, you know, stressful experience. Yeah. Well, it's all, it's and I, I, would, I would push back just a little bit. Um, there's no such thing as a minor cluster B personality disorder. <laughs> um, it is true that, that people, people fall along a spectrum. But once we can ac accurately describe a person as having a cluster B personality disorder, no, it's not minor. There's no such thing. By definition, this is a very severe psychological distortion. So, but uh, yes, one of the points I want to bring up though is that we sort of live in a society that kind of encourages narcissism at this point. And I think yes. all of us to some extent are a little narcissistic. I think any healthy ego is gonna have some sort of reflection on the self and fixation on the self to some extent. But our yeah. culture, especially social media, 
um, this idea of displaying our lives and, and also like constructing a life that people see, like a narrative that we put before people. It's just, it chases the whole me, me, me. And I think that's why the social justice stuff is getting all the attention it's getting. It's not that these people are the majority because I, I don't think they are. They're not the majority. They're just, they're really loud. And yes. they get amplified in a space that encourages narcissistic behavior <laughs> and they're the best at it. So they, they excel in that space in a sense. And now they, yeah, like you said, they've taken over this sort of mainstream pop culture. So it's a little different now than just dealing with just radicals. You know, it's, it's a cultural thing that we're experiencing. And that's why so many are comparing it to like cultural revolutions of the past and communism, that sort of thing. So, yes, yes. Um, it is, it is true that, that this is not the majority of people. The majority of people do not have cluster B personality disorders. However, <clears throat> excuse me, they do have outsized influence, as you say. And the analogy that I use, and, and it's a pretty direct analogy. Um, I do think it's, it's not just, hey, it's, it's really like this. I'm not saying it's like this. I'm saying it is an example of this very thing. What we're seeing in society is a scaled up version of the domestically abusive household or family. Mm. So, you know, all it takes is one parent with a cluster B personality disorder, pathological narcissism, borderline personality disorder, and everyone in that family starts functioning and behaving in a system that runs along cluster B abuse rules. Mm. Um, we all play roles. We might try to suck up to the narcissist. We might try to rebel, but we're all reacting to a very pathological way of relating to other people. And, you know, just like children in a household run by such a parent can go for many, many decades with a distorted idea of what normal family life is like and what normal relations are like. So the same thing is now happening in our society. There are the majority of people who hold leftist political views are not cluster Bs, but they are being run by cluster Bs. They are defending cluster Bs. So what they're doing is they're defending perpetrators and calling them victims. Um, and they're not aware of it. And I wasn't aware of this for a very long time when I was a lefty and certainly uh, wasn't aware of it when I was in the middle of this family structure. Yeah, Daniel and I both come from the political left. You know, we've always been left leaning, um, but it's only been with like this recent sort of just in the last probably like five years or so that the, the political left has just really gone off the deep end. And now they're having these like more and more pathological manifestations. And it, it most, you know, reason we, one of the reasons we wanted to, to start the podcast and talk more is because, you know, as, as gay men, as members of the LGBT, whatever community, um, <laughs> it's important for us to speak out about, you know, people who are using homosexuality, transsexuality mm -hmm. um, as a shield in order to divert or deflect any sort of, you know, criticism that comes at them for their behavior. Yeah. They also, you know, cluster all of those things, the LGBTQ into its own thing when really those things aren't the same, you know, like, like someone who's queer or identifies as non-binary, whatever their experience is, it's not the same as a gay man or someone who's like trans yep. or lesbian, right? Like a lesbian and a gay man's experience are quite different in many ways, so. And this is one of the things too that Dr. Robert Hare talks about in uh, uh, Snakes and Suits, 
or that um, you know Cleckley was talking about in uh, Mask of Sanity is that they there's always a reason you know they always have this sort of pseudo rationale that allows them to justify their behavior which is you know always an it's a predatory behavior basically it's yes they they are so obsessed with themselves that they can't see how their behavior is starting to malevolently impact the people around them on a consistent basis and that any attempt to to point that out becomes this like weird inversion where all of a sudden because you're pointing out now you're the narcissist yeah. or well, gaslighting, gaslighting that sort of thing it's, starts to happen yes so this is leading in, into something that like a question i guess that i've been having because you brought up mask of sanity and snakes and suits and so like psychopathy i guess is like an extreme form of that we know narcissism is one of the things that clusters into a psychopathic personality it does that count as something that's cluster b is that like an yes. extreme so is psychopathy like say the extreme case of a cluster b personality well let's for, let's, let's define like, some terminology like for, for, for i guess what i'm asking is you know do some people who have this cluster b personality disorder still have a conscience to some extent because what makes a psychopath a psychopath is that that mechanism is just it's not there let them lay so, it out yes. so first let's clarify terminology this is important i love this cluster b is a diagnosis is a, a category of personality let me I'll try to do this really quickly, but this is important. Mm -hmm. um, personality disorders. There's cluster A, B, and C. I am primarily concerned with cluster B. Personality disorders are, are not the kind of mental illness that people think of when they hear the term mental illness. Mental illness for most of us connotates things like depression, anxiety, uh, Pathological levels, not just a little bit, but a lot. My father, my father, it falls into this category. Right. Uh, schizophrenia, bipolar, which is just the new term for manic depression. These things have a sympathetic quality to them because we all know people who've suffered from mental illness. I've suffered from mental illness. Many, many people I know have. Um, where a depressive episode or an acute and an episode of acute anxiety sort of comes on like a cloud and stops that person from being the whole person that they usually are. Um, they may behave badly. That's a they good way be, to describe it, actually. Right. This is not what personality disorders are. They are not a dark cloud that comes on sometimes and the rest of the time. This is just your normal, nice person. This is how they are all the time to some extent. Another way to think of personality disorders is character disorders yeah this is character not an disorders. outside force that is impinging on an otherwise normal person their very character the personality they have has a has some very base level problems so cluster b includes four disorders borderline narcissistic histrionic and antisocial okay antisocial is the clinical term for what we know as psychopathy or sociopathy. Um, people use these terms differently, but it's important to understand antisocial personality disorder is the technical clinical term. Many people say things like, well, sociopaths are made, but psychopaths are born. These are not technical clinical designations. They're these interchangeable. Are, in, in many they are colloquialisms, yeah. right? Mar Mar so it's important Mar to ask people what they mean specifically, yes. because they usually assume that what they are saying is the agreed upon definition. It is not. Yeah. Robert Ayer, have you read him? Because he, he talks I about- I have. 
and without conscience he talks about this too but he also talks about how the psychopath doesn't always match what we would always identify someone as who just has antisocial personality disorder or like a regular okay. criminal and that sort of thing so it's like are those are those really interchangeable things or is there a distinguishing factor between say someone who is just a full-blown psychopath and say someone who might have a lot of characteristics of antisocial personality disorder but can still like care for someone or have a conscience depends on on how you look at it so here's how i see it um when we're talking about a psycho antisocial personality disorder a full-blown case of it or psychopathy or sociopathy i i use them interchangeably same uh, i understand that not everybody does but i want to be clear to people that when i say it i mean to use them interchangeably you may disagree um that basically means you don't have a conscience you don't have one. You don't care, right? Not all cluster Bs are completely conscience-free, but all of them have an impaired conscience. Okay. And many, perhaps most, their conscience is so impaired and they have access to it so infrequently that for functional purposes, they behave as if they do not have one. Hmm. Okay. So yes, it's possible to... You know, somebody with borderline personality disorder, for example, and that can take many different forms, but a lot of these people have a conscience. It's just their access to it is impaired. Their anxiety and their distorted view of the world and themselves is get so in the way of it that they function sometimes like they're conscience free, but, but they do actually understand the difference between right and wrong or care about it in a way that, that a psychopath wouldn't. Okay. That doesn't mean that borderlines are the soft and gentle and safe end of the spectrum. They are not. Yeah. They're not all the same. Some are more exploitative and dangerous to others than other borderlines, but no, they're not the soft and cuddly end. Yeah, and it's, it's like, I feel like you can look at the Twitter profile libs of TikTok and you see examples of these nonstop, uh, especially with these people who are obsessed with browbeating others over their pronoun usage, for one example, yep. because they're so, it, like, they don't have a strong sense of their identity. And this is something that you were talking about in your last episode, which I love, um, that they, they almost have this like, it, it, they have a fear that they will not be like, like if you don't recognize their, you know, chosen pronouns or whatever, you're actually erasing like, quite them. literally yeah. yes. destroying That's them entirely. It's, yes. And it's, it's not that there's a great degree to which they actually believe this. Yes. Right. Um, how could they not? I mean, if you see how some of them react, it's like you would have to really believe in a sense what you're saying. But some of them could also, like you said, you know, be just play acting. And that's what a psychopath yes. would do. So. But both of those behaviors, both of yeah. those things, believing that and acting like you believe it are both cluster B. Gotcha. Right. And they're, they're both cluster B. They okay. have the same. They have the same impact on the people yeah. around. Yeah, them too. that is. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so there was this there was this woman that I saw, like I think it was a woman, that she <laughs> oh, <laughs> it's canceled. It's funny because you said, I love that you said this. You said that misgendering is just properly sexing an individual. Yeah, it's just called correctly sexing someone. Yeah. Right, because they've got this, 
and and you also made this point that uh, you know when somebody declares their gender to be whatever, that that's the most socially constructed version of gender that could possibly exist. And they love to make this argument that gender is just a social construct and therefore. Well, but, so is their gender because it isn't real, right. is it? Yeah, it's, it's, yeah. it's just so ridiculous. Well, it it's not any so, real thing. It shows too, there's also a rift in the sense between many trans and people who are non-binary because to, to be trans in a sense, there has to be a binary when you think about it because you're switching from yeah. one to the other. That's what you're transitioning, right? The, otherwise that word doesn't mean anything anymore. You're not transitioning from one thing to another. Whereas then you have the non-binary who are just like, well, anything goes, there is there is no duality. So you can just be whatever you want at, at any time, whatever you feel like. And if personally, if I had legit gender dysphoria or something and my condition was I wanted to switch over to the other one I would view trying to erase the binary more as the erasure than say misgendering or pronoun usage or that sort of thing so yeah it's just it goes to show the LGBTQ community is not this community that it's made out to be by the mainstream pop culture especially you know you have figures like us and 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 Mike Harlow and Christian Watson and yep. many other gay intellectuals who just do not fit into this stereotypical way that the radical left and the mainstream left portrays us you know in in media on television etc cetera, etc cetera. yep it well, there, there is there is no such thing as the LGBTQ yeah. community. And, and one thing I want to point out there is the tacking on of the T and the Q and everything else. This is an example of what the author and security consultant Gavin DeBecker calls forced teaming. Hmm. This is mashing together disparate groups of people who don't actually share a commonality in order for the abusive person to exploit the image that they get from being associated with these people. Let me be clear. I share zero in common with somebody who claims that they were born in the wrong body. The fact that I am a homosexual has zero to do with that person's concerns. Their concerns are entirely different. I do not share a community with them. They are not my brother. They are not my sister. They are not my sibling. I guess they would say, they, you know, in response to that, that just historically from, from being homosexual and like being ostracized in a way, and I'm not saying that's yeah. now because yeah. society is very different now, but just historically, I, I could see why people from such groups could see a camaraderie in, in a way. Like, for example, yes. growing up gay, and even though I wasn't, black for example just studying uh you know african-american history are you sure <laughs> i have a percentage in there actually so i did do a dna test i have two percent in there so that's interesting. from my mom's side of uh, congo she's cuban so probably the slave trade through cuba right another thing the the point is you know just growing up i always sort of like just studying things like slavery or the civil rights movement and stuff i i felt a sort of camaraderie with black folks who felt that they were oppressed because i could just see just I could just understand that feeling. You understand, even though my experience yeah. is like different than theirs. So I think that's sure. why this has happened. But I also agree with you. And I think you're correct. The, the experiences are not the same. I, my experience is not like someone who's black. And if they faced any sort of oppression or ostracization in their life, it would be of a different sort of type than mine, even if the feeling was similar, for example. Yes. And I, I think it, I think the difference is even deeper than that. Okay. Um, because 
the the state of my homosexuality, the fact that I am romantically and sexually attracted to men, is not a delusion. It's simply it's simply my sexual orientation. It is. But your claim when you have a penis and testicles that you're actually a woman is a psychiatric delusion. Yeah. We are fundamentally different. I am sane. That is not sane. And I do not mean that. I know that's harsh and direct. And that's my style because there's not enough directness right now. But that is the fucking reality. I would, okay. I would really love to see you have a conversation with Blair White. I said this to Brent the other day after we watched your show, because I just think it would be really interesting. She's someone who I feel would be able to even hear something like that and have a rational, logical conversation with you about the subject. And, you know, and I'm curious, you know, are, what's her past like? Has she been through traumas? Right. She agree in the sense that maybe part of why she is the way she is is because of that and not just... Cause she definitely doesn't go around pretending she's the same as a bio woman. Like she's yep. not like I'm yep. a man who changed in, into, to appear as the other one. I'm not going to pretend yes. that it's something else, which That's is just simply I, honest. Yes, you know, which is why I, I mean, if everybody were honest this way, we wouldn't that. be in yeah. this situation. Yes. Yes. Right. I don't have anything against. Yeah. I, I, I hate, I hate even saying this because it sounds like, you know, when you defend yourself this way, it sounds like you're admitting to it. I don't actually have anything against people like Blair White. I don't have anything against people who are gender nonconforming. For Christ's sake, the gay community has been about gender nonconformity since the beginning of time. Yeah, that's, yeah. Right? That's this is I do not care. Even a little bit if a man wants to wear makeup or a woman wants to be tomboyish. I mean, this is the kind of stuff that my generation was fighting against. We're like, we're all allowed to have these personalities regardless of what we have in our pants. But let's right? not play this game of pretend. Yeah, I will not play pretend. Nothing changed. We haven't discovered a new yeah. truth about humans. We haven't discovered that sex isn't real. This is all fucking bullshit. Yeah. And this, yeah. this erasure argument they use too, I find interesting because I've said this publicly before and I've posted about this stuff, but Personally, I, I mean, I'm not going to say I'm offended, but I'm not going to sit there and play pretend when a woman who was a woman and born a woman all of a sudden just decides they're a man. Yeah. Right. And so I'm not even going to look at the other side now because I feel like trans women get more focused now than trans men. And now you have this issue of, say, Elliot Page, et cetera, that's kind of coming into the limelight more. But sorry, your experience is not mine. And I wouldn't sit there and try to say that my, that I understand your experience and that we're the same thing. I wouldn't do that to you. So why is it okay for you to do that to me? And then you tell everyone else that they're not allowed to do that. You never had, a, never had a penis. You don't yeah. know what it's like to come of age, to grow up with a penis. You can't say that your experience is the same and that you are a man. And I must play this game and agree with you. Otherwise, there's something wrong with me. I'm I'm the one who's fucked up morally, and it's not. Yeah. No, notice, Daniel. Notice that what you're describing, this is an abuse dynamic. We see this yeah. in domestic abuse all the time, when the abusive partner gaslights the other partner and says, "You reacting to my abuse is the actual abuse. You trying to defend yourself and differentiate yourself. You are abusing me when you do that." That's what we're looking at here. This yeah. is cluster B. Yeah, um, it seems almost like they, that people that have these traits or people that defend them are like willing to use language in a way that 
sort of pushes their perspective. They're willing to subjectify language, which ostensibly should be objective, right? Like the lexicon that we're using as English speakers needs to be universal across English speakers such that we can effectively communicate. Yeah. <laughs> and it seems like these activists and, and a lot of people that support them are acting in a way as that language is a tool to be used in order to justify whatever their alleged uh, you know, ends are. They're, they can distort the language as much as they want in order to push the perspective yeah. that they're trying to push. And we're just trying to be specific. Like when I say a trans man is a trans man, that is a specific term I'm using as opposed to a man is a man. And there's nothing wrong with that. I don't see anything wrong with that. I'm simply identifying two different experiences here but when you talk to some of these people you know and I, I haven't talked to very many in person but online they certainly have a lot to say and are very bold on the internet they call you all sorts of horrible things you know and just yeah. assume how you look at them and oh you're erasing me this and this and that it's like well aren't you erasing me like I have a penis and I grew up with one and my experience is not the same as yours. Am I not allowed to claim that? And well, no, you're not allowed to claim it because, <laughs> because one of the, because you're not dealing with normal people here. Yeah. You're not dealing with people who have the same relationship to the outer world. There's or a lot themselves. of damage. There's a lot of damage. It's a, it's a, it's big damage. And the thing about this is most, almost all cluster bees, there are some instances, it does appear, there does seem to be evidence that a few people are just hardwired to be this way. There, mm -hmm. there do seem to be some psychopaths who are born rather than molded into that through abuse and neglect. But the vast majority of cluster Bs come from trauma and neglect, child abuse. Yeah. So nur nurture instead of nature. Yeah, I so mean, in all The have, nurture is the overriding factor, whereas like a- I think it is. is, yes, yeah, I think it is. Because so, like, with a psychopath, it's interesting too, because they're born that way, but the nurture, what it does is it doesn't stop them from being a psychopath. It determines right. how the psychopathy manifests. And Robert Hare talked yeah. about that in Without Conscience. And it's like, so say you have a psychopath born into an affluent family where the, the child-parent bond was present and, and strived for and all the correct things were done. There's just something in the child that is preventing that proper child-parent bond. And you can give them all the right opportunities in society and they just turn into a very charming, uh, coercive type of psychopath who'll still use people, abuse them in other ways that might not be physically violent. Then you take that same child and they're born into the ghetto and their parent beats the shit out of them or something like that. And then that's yeah. how they learn to get their way. So they're a psychopath who becomes, say, a gangbanger leader or something like right. that. But it's important to understand that psychopathy is not a synonym for violent killer. Yes. Most people yeah, think right. that it is. It's not. Mm -hmm. Most psychopaths, the vast majority of psychopaths are not murderers. Yes, it's true. You And, and so if people think, well, I don't know any serial killers because they're super rare. So I've never run into a psychopath. Honey, you're wrong. You're wrong. <laughs> you have run into psychopaths. You might have one in your family. You have almost mm -hmm. certainly had one in your church or in your workplace. Um, it's just that you don't know it. You are not safe from them just because you don't know any serial killers. Actually, you're more unsafe for not realizing that they aren't just all serial killers. It makes you That's more right. comfortable because you're looking for a particular thing when really, you know, they can manifest in all these other ways and more often than not do. They operate on the shady side of the law. They could, you know. That's right. Be, be your, your husband or wife for 10, 30 years and just use you and use you and use you and they just yep. they equally have no conscience as much as say the politician who, you know, fucks the people over because they don't care. Yep. 
I think that what we call trans today, um, and we're not saying trans people are psychopaths too, by the way. No, I'm not. I'm not. <laughs> no, I'm just clarifying for other people who are listening. Yeah. Like we're analyzing all of these different, like you said, cluster B type phenomena here. And there's clearly an overlap. Like obviously people like Blair White are not psychopaths, right? There are right. examples of people who could be trans. Maybe, maybe there's abuse or trauma that led to that. I don't know. I haven't talked to her, but clearly can turn into normal functioning people who who can be open and talk about these things and not have an emotional tantrum about it, you know? Right. I would say, um, you know, and I'm, I'm, I'm open to changing my mind. I'm open to evidence that will change my mind. I haven't seen a lot of it yet. I hear a lot of assertions and a lot of anger that challenges this, but I don't hear a lot of evidence. Mm-hmm. Um, the state of, of, of having gender dysphoria being so uncomfortable in your body that you feel compelled to either surgically alter it or to try to compel people around you to engage in a in an elaborate game of pretend in order to keep you on an even emotional keel that is itself a psychiatric problem but i think it is a problem that is secondary to trauma i don't believe that i don't believe there's any person on the face of the earth who has what we call gender dysphoria who is in every other way completely stable no history of trauma or neglect i don't believe that's real for anyone. I, I agree because I, I don't believe, like you said, it's real for anyone, period, not just trans. And uh, this is not blaming have people. You read, it's not blaming people for having that. Have you, you read know, The Myth of Sanity by uh, Martha Stout? She wrote The Sociopath. No, I've, I've, written, I've read another of Ms. Stout's books, but I have not read that one. So this one's really good because the it, it really focuses on tales of multiple personality and everyday life is so it really yeah. focuses on the split personality and that sort of thing and traces it back to trauma but one of the main points that she really makes in this book and hammers home is that everyone has experienced some form of trauma to some degree no parents are perfect no situation in which you are raised is perfect there's always going to be something that the parents say should have done and didn't do or shouldn't have done and then did. And whether we like it or not, and we, I'm not saying we should always blame our parents because I think most parents are doing the best they can do with what they have. They're not all these cluster B type people. No, they're it not. Is, but we've, all, we've all experienced some form of trauma and neglect to some degree. And maybe the parent just wasn't present and couldn't do that. But I think, we, I think, I think we're all unraveling programs to some extent that are put into us and we have shortcomings because of it. And yeah, there's trauma there. So when you think about like extreme traumas and what that could do to the psyche, you know, it makes sense how you get stuff like gender dysphoria or, you know, split personality disorder, just to experience something that's so traumatic that the psyche literally has to like split and compartmentalize it into. Right. Okay. You know, sure. Uh, A couple of things I would say to that. Uh, Number one, I think it's important to keep the word trauma for what it really means. Mm -hmm. I don't think it's true that we all have trauma. I think it's true that we all have disappointment. I think degrees of it is what I meant. You know, like I understand I understand what you're saying, but I, I would like to keep the word a little more pure. Trauma means something. Trauma doesn't mean a disappointment. It doesn't mean one week when your parent neglected you and and did everything else for the rest of your life. That's not trauma. Child abuse is trauma. There mm-hmm. is a difference. Yeah. We all have disappointments and distresses, and they do, they do impinge on our personality and even our our more loving parents can do things. As you said, Daniel, you are correct. I, I'll, I'll leave that by itself. Um, I don't like the everyone has trauma. 
because um, I don't think it's very accurate. Um, but secondly, I would say, and, and again, I haven't read this book by Martha Stout, so I it's don't good. know. It's, it's worth checking out, I think. I, I will. So I, I'm not responding directly to whatever she may have theorized. But I will say there is no such thing as a split personality and there's no such thing as multiple personality disorder the way people think it is. I don't believe it. I don't believe there is any such thing as a mind that has two autonomous consciousnesses that are not connected to each other at all and that may be absolutely unaware of the other's existence and then just come out and go back in. Uh-uh, not buying it, sorry. <laughs> um, there, there is such a thing as dissociation and yeah. that's a complicated topic. I think that's more what I meant is like when you experience like an extreme right. form of trauma, like people do have like fugue states. She talks about yes, that. They that sort of thing. Yes, they and that's, do. Yes, they do. That's a survival response. It's also why yes. a lot of people, you know, we, we find coping mechanisms. And she talks about that too, is when you go through a trauma, you pick up these coping mechanisms that helped you at the time of the trauma. Yeah, but, but are maladaptive up. later. Because you grow up and you're not in that situation anymore, but you're still behaving and acting as if you're that little child who's still in that situation and you're still using all the same coping mechanisms, you know, whatever it is, yes. alcohol, it doesn't matter. You know? That's very, that's very, um, yes, that's very, very common. That is what happens to most of us kids who come out. Of, that's what happened to me. Yeah, I um, saw that one episode you, you talked about your relationship, which... Uh, your my relationship. Uh, your relationship in the past with a man who was, uh, I guess, pathological and abused you. Oh yeah, yes, yes. Well, also, I mean, all the classic things happened. I mean, you know, my mother, my mother. The closest I approximation I can give is that my mother is is has full case of both borderline and narcissistic personality disorders. And if people want to know what kind of person my mother is. The easiest way to describe it is she was a trailer park Joan Crawford mixed with Carrie's mom from the horror movie, Carrie. Oh, okay. I know it's funny. I, I do know oh, it's gosh. funny, but I'm but also very not, serious. Yeah, but it's not. I mean, that's accurate. Yeah. That is accurate. Wow. Um, so, you know, and there was a time in my life, um, you know, I've had traits of borderline and histrionic personality disorder myself because those are very common outcomes of a traumatic upbringing. And um, I became an alcoholic. Um, I engaged in uh, destructive relationship patterns, trusting the wrong people, uh, not being able to regulate my emotions. I understand these things because some of them have happened to me too. These, these are consequences of trauma. What seems to happen with people with cluster B, and I don't know what the difference is, but some people it gels and it stays that way in concrete. And once it does, it's very, very difficult to move it away. Yeah, it seems most like of them of will spend the rest of their lives this way, sadly. Yeah, a lot of it is, do you have the self-awareness to be able to understand that your behavior is malevolently impacting the people that you ostensibly care about? And yeah. you, you want to change because it, a lot of it, really therapy, uh, especially only works if the individual who's undergoing the therapy understands that there's something wrong with them and they have a true burning desire to grow, to change, to become yeah. better, to heal from whatever it is. Yeah. By tracing back yes. origins too. That's one of the reasons, you know, right. but a lot of cluster so Bs are going to, especially when they have, you know, a lot of narcissistic traits, they have a very, very hard time. Uh, seeing anything wrong with themselves, which is why yes. that, 
that that sort of default mechanism of flipping things around and being like it's not you it's it's not me it's you is yep. a very common trait with people like this yes and 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 it's because you know to to be charitable and and i mean anybody who's watched me knows i have no love in me for cluster b's and my message to people is get them the fuck out of your life because you're not going to love them back to health. Yeah. So stop it. Okay. You'll drain yourself. Uh, yep. Um, but the reality is that these people live in a world of absolute terror inside of themselves. They are broken. They do not have full personalities. There are huge parts of their psyche that are missing that were never developed. They have no ego structure at all. So it's like the paradox of narcissism. The, the guy who says he's the richest, he's the most powerful, he's the, the sexiest, he has the best cars, he's got the best bitches, you know, all this sort of stuff. We describe such a man as egotistical and that's true on the surface, but inside he actually has no real ego. He doesn't have a Yeah, he's terrified. He knows he's broken on some level, but he doesn't have the ability to withstand that knowledge. He thinks it will kill him. And so he reverses and projects it onto other people. Um, they, these people do suffer, um, but we suffer, we suffer more, I think, those of us around them. It's like they do a disproportionate amount of damage to whatever community they find themselves in, whether that's a work environment or a family environment or, you know, any social group, really, they, that they insert themselves in. That's why, uh, you know, on our last show with Dr. Mark Changizi, we talked about political ponerology, uh, which yep. is a really interesting book by this Polish psychiatrist. Uh, and he makes the argument that a lot of large scale uh, macro, he calls it macro social evil. These are like genocides and democides and uh, like large scale things end up being caused by people that sort of fall under, you know, the, the cluster B. They have these- That's right. These grandiose personalities. And if left unchecked, they can influence huge swaths of society and cause these large scale social movements. Get them to turn their consciences off in a sense. That's why demonization of people is so, so dangerous. And and that's what people like, regardless of what we call it, um, political authoritarianism is cluster B. Nazism was cluster B. Mao's cultural revolution, cluster B. Marxism and Leninism, cluster B. This is all cluster B, or you may call it cult, or you may call it authoritarian, but we are describing the same psychology. Uh, it's not that there are movements, structures that just exist out in the world that just popped into there out of nowhere that somehow influence people. This begins with individual character. It starts with inside individuals. And then we, it we need a, a, I just thought of a disaffected podcast t-shirt where it just says it's cluster B, like just disaffected podcast. Oh, and then it's cluster B or it must our, be cluster B. <laughs> our, 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 for our first one, when we actually get merch, our tagline is going to be, maybe she's born with it. Maybe it's cluster B. <laughs> <laughs> Do it. We'll totally it. buy one. <laughs> oh man. Oh man. This is this is great. <laughs> but uh, you know, this is actually the main reason we wanted to get you on the show was to discuss these these topics in particular, the psychological aspects of what's happening. Um, and I guess this is a good segue in, into like, you know, the COVID cultists. Cluster B. 
totally cluster totally cluster well, it's, it's it, at its root it's a lot of authoritarianism which is and and it's and we see the same thing the distortion of language the insistence that if you don't comply you are actually the predator mm -hmm. and we're, yes. we're seeing how they're sort of uh you know projecting a lot of these predatory aspects onto like the unvaccinated and i, I even hate that that's yeah, like we're people over. we're not the unvaccinated we're we're people we're human. unclean yeah, the yeah unclean. It's, it's, it's the unclean it's the disgust yeah. response and you know you see the same thing with what happened to the jews in germany with the older people in mao with the burge the bourgeois in in uh in russia yeah it's, the kulaks it's they right. they find a group they target them and then they you know hammer them with this language and without any strong opposition then very quickly the sort of the masses end up getting you know swept away in whatever the the movement is it's almost like we have an epidemic of cluster b personality disorders that are just sort of going you know unacknowledged we do that's exact that's exactly the thesis of my show and that's why i started it if you look at this um the medical and psychiatric literature is woefully outdated in terms of its estimates of prevalence of this psychological condition in the population. Generally, what you will find is the official estimates of cluster B is going to range from somewhere to one to 3% of the population. It got higher. Because <laughs> no, I, I feel like no. psychopathy alone is probably higher than yeah. that. So cluster B as a whole category. Cluster B as a whole, my guess, and this is a guess, it's an, it's an experienced guess, but it doesn't have Oh, there is some data. I would put it somewhere between six and 10% of the population now, higher than usual. That's, yeah. um, That's about what I would what was And I have read some literature has 11. found evidence for this. 4% 4. 4 for psychopaths. For psychopaths. He, well, was he wasn't just talking. Uh, he was talking about character Yeah, disorders. Lobachevsky wasn't just talking about psychopathy. He was talking about character disturbances. So in a sense, like you said, he was talking That's about- That's cluster B. Yeah. But also you have to remember- He had different language. Yeah, he was he also was isolated in his time period. Yep. You know, now we're 45, you know, yeah. 50 years later, but actually probably yeah. more, we're like 70 He had later. to make up jargon just to describe what we're describing now when there's already this sort of new language to describe. Well, and, it's, and this is why I really, I really wanted to talk to Josh because- you know, having a word uh, or having vocabulary in order to understand a subject matter is so important because as humans, we can't really, we, we operate around language. You know, we have to have words in order to describe a thing. And without the vocabulary to describe this, the psychological manifestations of cluster B personality disorders, people aren't going to be able to dis discriminate between somebody who's having a bad day or or just stressful and somebody who is a actual predator in their midst yes and it's just so important to have that language and and in order to accurately describe and discuss and identify you know oh, geez the patterns. That's, that's a red flag like you know and i should probably stay away from that yes uh, do you should we do do you want to do a little uh you know i have some some libs of tiktok here so you actually want to do some uh, diagnostic Ooh, good for it. Yeah, <laughs> i thought these would be kind of interesting to, to look at oh the libs of tiktok page is always interesting to look at i love there, that. there are some real fucking characters out there man let me just say. so this one was recently she was talking about dave chappelle of course dave chappelle because he's you know the the big boogeyman today where's the screen share button? love dave chappelle uh here's that share this one all right let's see I'll, this is 30 seconds so i'll just play it for 37 minutes dave chappelle make jokes at my expense 
literally about my identity forgetting that I too live at the intersection of being both black and queer and trans. Because tone deaf jokes like that can get us murdered. Tone deaf jokes like that call for our murder. Tone deaf jokes like that ignore my entire existence. Distance. Look at yeah. the look at her it's, face too. Well, it, face. It, you could hear that, right, Josh? That was coming through. Oh yes. Oh okay. yes. So, do you want? Why don't you talk about it? <laughs> you're the guest. Well, you know, like with anything. Um, and I should remind people about this. Um, I guess I would say to anybody listening, um, um, if uh, s- some people are gonna react and you say, don't diagnose, you can't diagnose. First, um, I'm gonna diagnose. <laughs> yep, I am gonna do it. Yep. I'm not gonna stop. I don't feel bad and I'm not, um, I'm not nervous because you don't want me to do it. So just want you to know, you can say that all you want. It's not going to change. Um, first of all, I can't actually diagnose people because I'm not a credentialed professional. That does not mean, I'm not saying that I can't recognize the truth because I think I can and I'm quite good at it. I have 47 years of experience living with this. But I don't have the power to make a diagnosis in the official sense, meaning I can't, I can't put that in someone's medical chart, which means that no matter what my opinions are, nothing I say is going to influence the course of medical or psychiatric treatment for anybody, right? right. So if, if you're sitting there, stigma, 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 I can't medically stigmatize your chart. I can't put a label in there that will make other therapists not want to work with you later, okay? So that's not an evil that I can perform. Um, what I'm saying is I, I know what I'm seeing. I have experience with it and I'm a widely read layman. Um, anybody who comes from an abusive background like I have, who reads what I have and is observed the way I have will come to similar conclusions. You do not need a degree to understand these people. The ancients were writing about these people. They're not new. Agreed. We don't need professionals to tell us what we see here. Um, now, I don't know these people outside of the context of a TikTok video. Right. right. So there are some possibilities. Some people who are caught up in this way of thinking are, are cult members rather than fully disordered. They've been captured by a religious cult ideology, which runs on cluster B rules, but they may not be cluster B disordered themselves. They may just be sick with, with being in this cult. Yeah. However, you know, the behavior we just saw in that clip is classic cluster B. I don't know if this... You know, I don't know what this woman is like in other contexts in her life, but if she's doing these on TikTok, I have a pretty good idea of how she is in most of her life, don't I? Yeah. Right? Well, we don't, we don't think that she's substantially different in any other context. Right. Uh, well, if you're putting it you out know, there in the public sphere for consideration as, you know, this is, this is me and this is what I'm saying, it's, it's, to me, it's fair game. Like if you, like, it is fair game. If somebody yeah. wants to come and, you know, take a clip from my podcast and say, oh, you said this here and this is that, I, go for it. Like, yeah. God bless. Like, have at it. Because, you know, we're putting this stuff out in the public sphere and therefore it's for public comment, critique, you know, discussion, whatever they want it to be. Yeah, you don't want to be diagnosed by Josh. 
don't put your shit on TikTok, man. <laughs> well, yeah, exactly. I mean, it's all for it. It's for attention. It's for self-soothing. It's to get victimhood points. These are validation. real classic cluster B behaviors. A lot of it is validation too. I think they want they want to see the likes and the hearts and the comments and people telling yes, them, you're so brave. And, and, oh and this God, can this does this deranges all of us. Okay, the social media is designed in such a way to take advantage of evolved psychological instincts we have and to exploit them. So even the most normal, stable person will act more like a cluster B in some social media contexts. It makes all of us more narcissistic at the baseline. Yeah, right. The point I made at the beginning of the show. Is and you're right. That. Yeah, it's you're like right. we're in this sort of narcissistic culture now, in a sense, and we're all kind of subject to it. And unless you're really aware of it and see it happening around you, you're not even going to do the necessary like self-analysis to pull back and say, like, wean yourself off social media sometimes or or at least just recognize that, hey, I'm doing some of these obsessive things myself. Or I also yes. want some attention sometimes or validation for how I feel about this point or that point. But the people who have no awareness at all that that's what they're doing, yeah, it's like they're running on autopilot. Um, you know, I would use the Gurdjieffian term and say that they're machines in a sense. They're just they're just running programs. There is no like original thought there at that's all. That's right. You know, they're they're not thinking. They're emoting. Yes. They're they're not actually. There's no actual thinking going on. There is only experiencing emotion and mistaking blah. that for analysis. Just blah. It's just. Yep. Yeah. And, and I would say you guys are too young to remember this, but um, what we're seeing today, this explosion of so-called trans identities, especially among vulnerable young people. So here's what I think. There's evidence that a significant number of the young people, particularly the girls, but maybe some of the boys who are being led down this road of transition are actually autistic mm -hmm. and that this is taking advantage of some of their... Um, the debilities in their thinking, their black and white sort of, if I'm not there was a this, book, I'm that. There was a book that came out recently about this, not that long ago, maybe a year ago. I can't remember the author's name. She was on Joe Rogan. She wrote an entire book about the phenomenon, particularly how it's affecting young girls it's right Abigail now. Abigail Schreier? Is that her? Didn't it get banned from Amazon at one point? Like At one point, yes. Yeah, Do you know the book I'm talking about? I don't remember the name. Yes, of it. it's called Irreversible Damage. That's the mm -hmm. book, that one. I haven't read it yet, but okay. it's on my list. So, and it's so a large basically, yeah, right? A large percentage of them appear to be autistic, but I, I would say, and I say this now, I mean, if, if evidence comes along, I'll change my mind. The larger percentage of this is, I think, trauma-rooted, and not that that can't happen in autism. It, there's bleed over. Sure. Um, but what you're seeing, this trans identity, this is not a new thing. When I was younger, in the 80s, there was a craze called the multiple personality disorder craze that was tied in with what was called the satanic panic. Mm -hmm. And that was the idea that children were going to daycares across the United States and they were being ritually, satanically, sexually abused. And because of that rampant sexual abuse that they were developing split personalities or multiple personalities. This became a big craze. There were people who went on Oprah Winfrey uh, who claimed to have up to a hundred different personalities. There was a when, whole uh, movement called- Sorry, was this when like Anton LaVey was like popular and that's- I don't think that was directly connected yeah. um, to that, but this this is the same demographic. This is just a rebranding. We have already seen this. 
This is young, mainly women, mainly girls and women. They are constitutionally vulnerable to social hysterias. That's just a fact and it always has been a fact. This is the new version of what we went through in the 80s. These are largely traumatized young women who are not getting help they need. And actually their sick and maladaptive responses to their mistreatment are being called healthy. Hmm. And they're being encouraged too. It's just encouraged. every single yes. case of uncertainty about their identity is automatically just treated as, oh, well, you must be trans or this other thing. So let's encourage it and let's start, you know, you know reinforcing that instead of realizing like, hey, basically all kids struggle with their identity for a long time too, before they settle into who they are. And it's why there is right now, many cases of people detransitioning. And it's such a taboo thing to talk about in you know, the LGBT community is the fact that there are a lot of people who do regret the decision later. And I'm not saying they all do. I'm sure there are plenty out there, you know, people like, like Blair White who are totally fine with their decision and they own it and it is what it is. But that's not the case across the board, right? And the the younger and younger we start pushing and encouraging this, which is irreversible damage, right? Yeah. How 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 is this going to spiral in the future? Like we're not even we're not even living through the full effects of what we're doing. No, we're not. Yet. So that's another thing that I keep thinking about is like, what is this going to look like five, six, ten years down the line? You know, when I'll tell you exactly what it's going to look like because I've already here. seen it. You know, and society hasn't collapsed, of course, but <laughs> it's it's going to be exactly the same thing as what happened after the recovered memory of satanic panic, multiple personality craze died down. There's going to be major lawsuits against th- against therapists and parents. Yeah. Uh, and there need to be there are going to be a lot of very broken people who will have irreversibly damaged their bodies. They won't have the capacity for orgasm. They will be sterile. They will have osteoporosis. They will have early onset cancer and heart disease. They will have vaginal atrophy. Um, there's, we're just going to have a lot of very, very broken people. Yeah. And that, that's, you know, I think it's important for people listening to, to understand is that the reason we're talking about these subjects is because we have compassion for people. Like we don't want to see people go through these processes that they, that could be avoided simply yep. to appease the feelings of other people or feel like you're, oh, you know, like I'm so woke and progressive and stuff. It's like, dude, you know, we could be doing some serious damage here. We should be talking about this stuff. It's not that we think trans people shouldn't exist or that they, you know, people shouldn't have a right to transition or whatever when you're an adult. But when you're dealing with with kids, it's a completely different thing. You know, like the brain is still developing all the way up until you're like 24, 25. So why are we encouraging people who are still forming their identities and personalities to just, you know, transition and change their bodies in in an irreversible way when they haven't settled yet, you know, who they are. I hadn't settled to who the hell I was until around 25, I think. So of course, of course. Well, and here, here's another thing that people don't like to talk about, but um, it's, you know, they cannot like to talk about it, but it's going to become a topic of public conversation. Who's doing this? Who's doing the transing of children? Who is the demographic who is most likely to look at their eight-year-old, their 10-year-old, their 14-year-old and say, my child is the opposite sex and I'm going to be a warrior for my child and for all their who women. who is doing that? Women. women, and this was what your last. That's right. Was. Your last episode was about this, right? Where you, you talked yes. about how it's it seems to be mostly women who are pushing this right. movement. It's mommies, and yeah. and and who are these mommies? Now, first of all, I want to say that I know personally 
I know that these people exist and I know some of them personally. There are mothers and fathers who were dragged along and misled and believed that they were doing the best for their children. Sure, and took some, I understand that they are real, okay? So I'm not saying every single parent is like this. This has happened in my own family, okay? So I do acknowledge that that is real. However, that's not the majority of them. What I think is going on, this has become a magnet and a honeypot for women with borderline personality disorder, one of whose major symptoms is Munchausen syndrome by proxy. Mm-hmm. Munchausen's is not a standalone disease. It happens as a subset of cluster B, usually borderline and histrionic personality disorder. Do you want to explain Munchausen to, to the Munchausen's, there are two versions. Munchausen syndrome is when a person makes him or herself sick artificially in order to garner sympathy and attention. Munchausen syndrome by proxy is when they do it to another person. They make another person, almost always their child, artificially sick to gain sympathy and attention from the public and from medical providers. That is what mommy with her beautiful trans daughter at eight years old is. You are looking at borderline personality disorder with Munchausen syndrome by proxy. This is child abuse. We're also seeing it on a grand scale when it comes to uh, the uh, dreaded cough. Okay, don't go, hold on, hold on, hold on. Let's go one thing at a time. I want to share this clip because it's a perfect example of what we're talking about. Oh, is this Libs of TikTok again? Yes, this is Libs of TikTok Uh, again. (laughs) There's a question that needs to be thrown in the trash and set on fire. And that is when people ask me, hey, do you have kids? And I respond with, yeah, three. The question is always, boys or girls. And that question needs to be removed from every single language because it is always super uncomfortable for the other person when I respond with two girls and one non-binary. And then they look at me like I have two heads and they're like, what's non-binary again? Well, they don't identify as male or female. It's actually genius. They found a loophole in the system and they get to pave the way and be whoever they want to be without stereotypes. It's brilliant. It's brilliant. So not she, nope, they them. Oh God. Yeah. See, I don't get that. I'll never understand it. Yeah. I didn't understand it either until my kid told me they were non-binary and then I made a point to understand it. And I hope you would do the same if, and when your child comes to you with the same thing, it's never awkward for me, but for the other person. Yeah. So what you're saying is the child is the parent now and they get to tell you what to do. That's right. And you're not going to question at all. Let me tell you what I see there. Okay. And again, it's a clip in isolation, but I don't need a lot more than that because what she's saying is so goddamn extreme, right? That, that has a lot of tells right there. That strikes me as somebody with borderline personality disorder. What are the tells? These are not foolproof. Okay. All by themselves. They're not diagnostic. I'm not saying I can give you this checklist. And if you check all these things off, then you've, you've figured it out. I'm not saying that. But no, I just, uh, sorry, identifying red flags, basically patterns. Yeah. I mean, we can so, get patterns, red flags here. She's got the proud. I couldn't see what it said, but I bet that it says proud trans mom on the it. Proud right. parent. Okay. Yeah. Um, number two, she's, she's talking about her children. One of my children doesn't have a sex. First of all, that's lunatic. Third, look at her eyes. Look at her eyes. Look at the expression. In the her last, eyes. the last video, the the trans person in the last video, same thing. They had those really huge, bugged out, big, eyes. big yeah. eyes, right? Big dramatic eyes. 
Yeah, and you can even see that it's pretty consistent. It reminds me of like, it's almost like they're trying to do that sympathetic, like baby type face or look. Well, often, and when you can see the sclera and the sclera is the white, when you can see the sclera above the iris, that's a indicator of mania, I believe is the traditional. It's this, I call these cluster B eyes or the cluster B stare. And, (laughs) and, And an easy way to... I mean, I, of course, I'm, I always go back to these because I'm an old school homosexual, but this is the look on the face of, of movie actress Joan Crawford, okay. who is a notorious borderline and narcissist and alcoholic. It's that big, wide open, you know, I'm going to eat you up stare. I've I seen on so a, many a, of them. I just thought of another disaffected podcast t-shirt, just that and just, you know, the cluster V stare. <laughs> <laughs> This is one of these faces that the cluster V stare. Actually, you should use Joan Crawford, put her on the shirt, and just put the cluster V stare. There's a couple of them here with her. She's got a very villainous look to her. Yes. Yes, absolutely. She was gorgeous, though. She was. She was absolutely strong. But you see it there. Yeah. You know? Um, And you see it in a lot of her. um, Yeah, right here. You know, especially as she got older, she got really, yeah, really, really crazy about that wide open stare. Um, but that's very typical of people like that. It's it's one of their dramatic affectations. It's very interesting. Fascinating. Yeah, so she had that. She had the um, the proud parent with the, the, that she had to have, like, you know, on the, uh, that she was holding up, like, to, to the, so yeah. that everybody could see that she Clearly was, you wanted. know, very like pro LGBT, like with their. Well, you see, you see how that's a form of Munchausen's by proxy, right? Because instead of instead of poisoning the little kid with syrup of Ipecac to make them throw up or claiming they have cancer, they're using them as an accessory, um, you know, to show. Look what a sacrificing parent I am. Look how open-minded I. Look how far I will go for my babies. Aren't I the best mommy you've ever fucking seen? <laughs> And that's really what's underneath it, because if you could rip the facade off these people, what she's really saying is, you better fucking think I'm the best mother ever, bitch, because I am. I'm better than you. Look how progressive and and woke I am. I let my kid tell me what to do and how I should think about them and refer to them. And I will not question that at all when they tell me. Yeah, and they never admit the fact that they're pl- they're also planting and encouraging the I- these ideas in their children. Yeah, they sit them in front of RuPaul's Drag Race every single day. Well, that's yep. then it's it's just funny that they like you know they come along and say that you know my child told me I'm like no bitch come on please like how would your child even have that idea if you weren't sitting there being like you can be whatever gender you, you should want. Uh, you can be a boy you can be a girl Brent, you can be a non-binary you should uh tell josh about desmond and your uh past experiences there with uh oh do we want to do you wanna, i want to digress from well i think it's related to the topic well so i have a solo channel called it's brentley and one of the reasons i started it's Brentley was back in January of 2019 uh there was a drag child uh a drag I, kid I, I don't like to well I, we shouldn't really even say his that's name the term they want, that's the term they use but anyway there was this there was a drag child who was coming out and speaking uh at, you know he called himself a advocate for an lgbtq uh activist and advocate and I was just the the, the child at the time was like 11 12 
and I just found it so abhorrent because I don't need you know, children that young to speak for me as a gay man. And I don't think we as a community should be encouraging, encouraging that. And then beyond it, you know, as a, as a drag child, they were having him do drag performances in front of adults who threw dollar bills, who were throwing stripper tips at him. Exactly. And, and the mother also let this child of theirs sit down she did. And, and do an interview with murderer michael alig yeah who's that's right dead. he died recently of course right? she did yeah and and she created like, her and, child that and way. that was yeah. so progressive and woke and it's like here's their kid sitting on michael alig's podcast a convicted murderer who in a drug addicted rage chopped up his boyfriend and like threw his body into the hudson and you're letting your kids sit down and and talk with this person like it's cool and hip and they're joking about drugs and stuff on on their youtube channel it's absurd. So Brat made a video about this. So I made a video. A couple about of videos. It, a couple of videos. Um, <laughs> and uh, apparently it somehow got back to the boy's mother who issued a, because I, I showed the, the, the actual strip act. Uh, you know, he doesn't actually fully strip, but he does remove clothes uh on stage and you know like yep. that's the technique to me that's stripping i don't care if yep. you're that naked yep. as soon as you're yep. pulling off clothes and getting money stripping so yep. I, I put it up there and she hit me with a uh you know a copyright, copyright infringement and i had to appeal the copyright decision and basically you know let her know what my home address was yeah. so that if she actually wanted to take it to you know the next level and sue me that would be the only way that the video would be you know permanently removed from youtube yeah. uh so i it was it was just a you know it was it was bizarre to me that she even noticed because at the time i had you know like less than 100 subs you know my, my solo channel is still very small i think i have like 300 some subs. they're probably looking for things you know she's probably online saying like oh for sure the kind for of sure. press is 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 my little angel getting you know and when you look at this type of parent and then you look at what the kid's doing you're, it's just it's hard to not look at it and think well wow you are exploiting the shit out of your child right now um, oh, you're using them to like get the type of attention and stuff that you wish you got in your life and never got and it's inspired you know and and what what really disturbs me about it is that when you when you see examples like that and they become lauded and they become celebrated and you know they they pile on the praise you know many was on talk shows yeah. you know and it, it kept coming up in my feed you know the new york times is talking about it and then then there were more of them you know there was this kid uh up in i think it was quebec who was even younger and who was doing the whole drag hit thing and then they were like you know they were stall coming out of the woodwork yeah. and it just to me it, it seemed like these are the kind of things that are going to inspire backlash against the, the gay community because you know normal normal people straight people cis heteronormative people see this and you know we worked very hard as as gay men in order to remove the stigma of the sexual predator and you know even my parents for the longest time when i first came out they had a lot of these you know ideas that gay, gay men were sexual predators that they were going gunning for children um, and, and this kind of behavior seems to almost reinforce that idea that we are sort of, you know, going after the yeah. kids. And there's the gay men's choir and that fiasco that they put out a few months ago, same, yeah. same sort of thing, you know, and, and it's just 
do they really think they are winning hearts and minds with this shit? Because I think maybe some of them do and they mean well, but I think Josh is right. And a lot of them are just these freaking cluster B people who are taking advantage of this situation and exploiting kids and getting, getting woke points and social credit and all that bullshit. They love the attention. Well, you know, I think there are some ways that, that we as gay people have, have made ourselves vulnerable to this takeover as well. Um, this is not a popular thing to say, but so be it. Say it, say it. It's dangerous rhetoric, man, say it. <laughs> the, the reality is in the gay male community, pederasty is a problem. Yeah. It's not just a myth. I'm not saying that all gay men are pedophiles. I'm not a pedophile. You guys aren't pedophiles. I don't have pedophile friends, but I did come out very early as a teen. And I know what it's like. And the fact of the matter is the gay male community turns a blind eye or tacitly applauds sex between teen boys and men who are many, many years their senior. There is an awful lot of exploitation. I started getting picked up by men in their 30s, 40s, and 50s, starting at 15 years old. And I was not the only one. So the reality is wherever it comes from, there is a problem in the gay male sexuality community with very poor sexual boundaries, over-sexualization, and poor boundaries between teen boys and older men. Um, that I is read. one of the reasons we've been able to be taken advantage of this way. And I, 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 I agree, and I, I worry about the same thing in the backlash with you. But I also wish that we gay men would acknowledge that some of the values of our culture are not good values and we need to go strive for better values. Agreed. So I read an article about this very subject months ago, but I just remembered it because of, we're talking about this, but it was by, I'm looking at their book here because I forgot your name, Chad Felix Green, I believe. Yes. Who wrote the book Without Context, you know, sort of analyzing the claims about Trump and the LGBT movement. But yeah, I believe they, they wrote an article I read not that long ago that talked about their experience too coming out as a teenager and how they were sexually exploited. And they were also addressing this issue too of this unspoken, you know, part of the gay community and culture of the relationship between, yes, teen, teen boys and the older men and how sometimes the teen boys are substantially way less than they should be and how it's just kind of overlooked or it's seen as a normal thing in the culture. Yep. You know, maybe they justify it with like the Greek traditions or something like that. And, you know, you know, Nambla is a thing. So it's not like. So traditional pederasty. The point, yes. (laughs) But the the point is they would say, oh, well, historically this has been done and it's normal. Therefore we should continue doing. No, 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 no. It was abuse then too. And Nambla is not an, you know, that's been around for a while too. People like Allen Ginsberg were, were a part of that, you know, famous as predator. So, and we've kind of just, normalized or put these people on pedestals even but also like kind of erase that part of their past like ginsburg for example we act like it's just not there or michelle foucault who was a goddamn child rapist i was just gonna bring up foucault he's a you know and his his pederasty and and pedophilia even is well documented and even and this is another thing i went into on uh it's brentley as i had a series called gay too far and one of the things is that a lot of these modern, uh, you know, philosoph- uh, philosophers that are in the sort of extreme left, they make these arguments regularly. Like Judith Butler, she's still alive, and she has, you know, in public and in published uh, arguments, you know, that where she basically said that, you know, incest isn't really that bad, and that. 
you know, it's, it, you know, it can be okay. And all this like crazy stuff. And it's just like, honey, like, I wonder why, I wonder what might motivate people like that. Hmm. It's a good question. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, gee whiz, like maybe you're a fucking predator just yeah. trying to rationalize your predations yeah. and give them the veneer of sort of scientific justification. And then to think that these sorts of people won't tack onto any po- social political movement like, you know, LGBT rights or whatever and use that to, you know, subtly push the sexualization of kids. And this is what a yeah. lot of people on the conservative right are concerned about. And I think there are legitimate reasons for them to be concerned about it i agree yep. with you. so but it's just like the point i was making earlier do these people really expect by excusing it say if they're not predators but they see things like drag kids and they think oh my god that's so progressive you think you're gonna win hearts and minds with that shit no you're gonna make these conservative people who might have listened to you maybe now just flee further into their conservatism and see say, they, oh, daniel they don't care daniel they don't care because their goal has never been their goal has never been, these are not long-term <clears throat> thinkers. They are willing to sacrifice things in order to get a quick narcissistic fix. It's not the case. You can't argue them into, oh, I didn't understand. Had I understood that, I never would have done that. Yes, they would. They'd still do it. They don't care. They don't care about our image as a community. They don't care about the health of children. They don't care about that. They care about getting what they want. So there's no mystery here. It's not that they misunderstand and if they only understood how bad they looked, they'd be different. That's not true. Well, I guess I'm just referring to the people who think they are doing the right thing by supporting supporting this shit. Yeah, yeah, no, it's very misguided. Yeah, Yeah. and they're gonna gonna wake up one day and and really regret it, yeah. And like you said, there are many, many parents who are have already gone through this where their kid went through it and then they ended up detransitioning later and then the parent realizes like, oh shit, I went along with that, I hurt my kid. And it's like, yeah, I'm sure a lot of them are doing it because they they think it is the right thing to do. Yeah. But what they don't understand is that there are all these other underlying things to this, right? The sexualization of kids and like the psychological aspects of trauma and all that stuff. And they don't want to talk about the complexity of the issues. It's just black or white. You know, either you reinforce this and support it, or if you don't, you're, you're a bigot and you're on the wrong side of history and you're the evil one. And it's like, they don't really, they don't see, you know, some of them do. And I think the ones pushing the agenda, like you said, they know exactly what they're doing. You know, they know exactly what they're doing, but the well-meaning people who are falling for it and allowing it to perpetuate in this way, you know, I don't think they totally understand. And hopefully, you know, some of those people will stumble upon conversations like this and perhaps begin to understand. But I don't know, man, I have a brand. I think this will probably get way worse before things get better. I just hope it doesn't turn into rivers of blood or something. So I don't know. Yeah, so you have to really, you know, just kind of be willing to talk about it yeah. and be willing to point these things out when they manifest. And it's it's just like a lot of people are afraid to even, uh, you know, call a spade a spade. Like you can't, you know, yes. clearly what is, you know, visibly like mental like illness like i thought the, the it's ma'am video where she went to the or she where the <laughs> the obvious like very masculine looking trans woman went into a GameStop and had like a whole tantrum because the guy behind the counter referred to her as a sir that's one of the funniest videos on the internet well, i'm sorry I, I think it, de- it, de- it definitely demonstrates this fact that these people uh 
seem to be victims of trauma and abuse that locked them emotionally at a you know a very young age we're yeah. talking between yes. like you know toddler and like you know eight years old because yeah. they have the emotional reaction the behavior that is so common among you know like a, a, somebody who's in their terrible twos mm-hmm. or a three-year-old or it's being told no they can't look so at the protest screaming look at some of the footage from you know the netflix protests that happened recently it's like Vito went there you know that youtuber and one yeah. of the protesters aside from them stealing a sign they have a tambourine they're banging it in his face and screaming and yeah oh and 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 uh, just, they shut you down with the noise and it feels like a temper tantrum when you look it at is it, a like, temper tantrum it is, it is. A t- I, that's i'm gonna dissect this on my show tonight uh that particular clip you're talking about but i want to go back to it's ma'am yeah that is a good example of borderline personality disorder in men because it, that is not the first time he had a new identity that guy had an identity as a rapper before a gang banger really? he has a criminal record yes sir Yes. Hmm. Um, That's close this to is be, just right? the latest of his masks that he put on that unstable identity you can see it throughout his adult life it's documented on his social media that's a severe that's cluster b yeah, yeah. The, the, and the he's other- dangerous the other aspect of this subject, which I believe I'm looking at my bookshelf again, sorry, uh, I believe Douglas Murray wrote about this in The Madness of Crowds was the, I can't remember the exact word, but it's the the sexual aspect, the fetish aspect of yep. Autogynephilia. What is it called? Autogynephilia. That, you know, of being turned on by imagining oneself as the opposite sex and like dressing up in that way and being turned on by oneself being yes. that way and uh, i think one of the examples that was given to was the character uh, in silence of the lambs and that was what yes. he's sort of displaying in, in his character disturbance as well which so. they, which they hate so much and they they hate it because it's true it's yeah. not a yeah. stereotype yeah. it's not a slur it's yeah. true there is something true to that and i don't know I, i'm not going to say all of them are fetishing themselves or fetishing the idea of being in the other body who are trans i'm not saying all trans people do that right, sure they're but, not all autogonophiles yeah. but to to deny that that's a part of this phenomenon is to me just blind because it clearly is like think of all the other weird fetishists that are out there you're telling me that some of these trans people aren't just fetishists like some of them gotta be man some of them which of be. them are not fetishists yeah. though think about this True. think yeah. about this you've got a man i don't care who the fuck the man is who walks around with falsies on in a bra a wig clown makeup and some ostensibly feminine clothes and expects the entire rest of the world to pretend he's a woman. Which of these people, no matter how beautiful they are, no matter how convincing, which of these are authentic? Some should at least try to be more convincing though. And that's that's like, that's why I think Blair Blair White is funny because she talks about the two all the time. She's like, they don't even try. It's part of the delusion. They, They don't, they can't read reality objectively you know they they look at themselves in the mirror and they don't see what we see mm-hmm. you know they clearly they put like this like <laughs> you know a shitty wig on they all get like you know a five dollar blouse from you know the salvation army they'll stuff their bra and you know they see themselves as this idealized sort of anime perfect female version while the rest of us see a man in a dress with a wig on yeah. and yeah it was very emblematic. I thought that the last episode you did, you had that example of the woman or the, the woman, the trans woman. Who, <laughs> it even it gets in my head too. Yeah. They, uh, they, they drove through the drive through at Sonic. 
And because they had uh, a, a, his his name, his name was he drove through the drive through, you know, the Sonic, and had his name was a male name, and they 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 you know referred to him uh, you know as as his sex, as his biological sex. He had to make this whole big deal out yeah. of it and speak to the manager and all this. Stuff. I, I think I think they look for it. I think a lot of these sorts of people yeah. who do that, especially, they're looking for that. They want a situation yeah. to arise in which someone is going to do that, so they can then record it put it online they get the validation the woke points look at how oppressed i am oh my god it's so hard i've got a term i've got a term for you you may find useful i call this behavior briar patching briar and that comes that comes from that comes from the fable of brer rabbit um if you remember that one and he's being chased i can't remember who his tormentors are i think it's the fox and and one other animal and brer rabbit figures out a plan and he says, don't throw me in the briar patch, please. If, if you do anything to me, please don't throw me in the briar patch. It's my worst fear. What he's trying to do is to get them to throw him in the briar patch because he knows if he can get into that briar patch, then he can get away and get what he wants. This is briar patching. These people are claiming that they don't want to be mistreated, but in fact they do. And they will they will put plans in place to ensure that it happens. That's what that guy did. And again, to clarify, that doesn't mean that all trans people are out there looking for reasons for people to harass. No, of course not. I don't even think you need to make these clarifications. Well, I'm making them because I think the distinction is important. Yes, clearly trans people- It's not going to save you though, Dan. It's not going to save you. What I mean is clearly there are trans people in the world who have been like mistreated legitimately or like beat up and shit like that and and killed. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about these these very obvious disturbed individuals who are doing this attention-seeking behavior and recording it yeah. and then uploading yeah. it. Yeah, that's different, of course. Yes, yeah. but I mean, I'm just saying that obviously not all people are putting themselves into shitty situations on purpose. But I think when the cameras come out in this way and it's over the pronouns and these sorts of things, that, that you are not oppressed. No one's beating you up. No one, no, no one is killing you. You know, it's just someone called you by a different word. Oh, but, and it comes back to the yeah. fact that they will weaponize language. Yeah. They will distort the meaning of words. They will do whatever and say whatever they have to do in order to get the desired outcome. It's not about being honest and achieving their stated yeah. goals. It's about achieving compliance. They want you- Absolutely. To be Absolutely. BLM. So BLM showed similar, I think, characteristics. In uh-huh. That. Yeah. And Antifa. And Antifa, yeah. and, well, Antifa is the a most extreme example because they will actually enforce physical violence, real violence against yep. individuals who show up at, you know, in, in their events who are not complying with whatever their, you know, whatever their demands are du jour and they yeah. change. This is another thing that's very uncommon with people that have these personality disorders is that it's, it's not, you know, it's not do this, it's do whatever I say right now. And then whatever they say can change from moment to moment, from day to day, which is why you see these kind of things happening again and again with different, you know, different contexts. You know, now it's like, yep. it's it all overlaps. I feel like like BLM, the LGBT stuff, like obviously it's not all under the same camp, but I think it's the same sort of cluster B thing manifesting. And with the, the COVID cult people, it's the same yeah thing to manifest in there well that's why i mean it's very important to have these conversations because what we're seeing is really the problem behind the problem it's Mm -hmm. like we see the problem of antifa we see the problem of radical blms we see the problem of the you know the the covid authoritarianism 
But really what's kind of behind that are these, these, mental, uh, these mental illnesses that yeah. character disturbances that are pushing all of this stuff, you know, and they're just, it, it takes a different form. You know, it's like the, uh, the Boggart in Harry Potter, like yeah. it can just shape shift into a different form, but behind it, it's, it's very similar. Yeah. Uh, it, group of phenomena. It's complex though. It's like, for example, like I read this yesterday, but apparently there's a rally, I think going on today in New York city. Um, Danny Presti was posting about this from max public house. Apparently uh, BLM is going to be there well, and, and, you have to be careful when you say local chapters of BLM in New York City are actually going to march and rally together with the the more moderate or I guess right people on the right who are anti mandates and they're all going to rally Good. together. Good for them. It's so it's like it is complex, you know, and and we can find common ground with people on the other political spectrum. And that news made me happy. I'm like, oh my god, finally, people in the city like can put some of this shit aside and like unite right now under something that is truly important to unite behind so it's because yeah. not every not every yeah. member of blm is you know a cluster b yeah. but there are clearly right. a lot of people in the national leadership for example uh, especially the folks that you know really cashed out you know they <laughs> you know like they really rugged that that whole movement when they got you know they got hundreds of millions of dollars and a lot of them sort of cashed out and then walked away without a dime going to any local chapters of people that have been organizing so do we think it's not just it's not just the the it's not just the national you're going to find this in every local chapter of groups like this too Mm -hmm. yes these kinds of groups are attractive to cluster b's you will find a disproportionately high number of character disturbed people in these direct advocacy groups it's not the case that only the bad the bad people only live in the national office um they they may be pulling the strings and have the most money but you're going to find this at every local level as well and of course you know, that doesn't mean that the majority of people in the local chapter are, are character disturbed, but they will be vulnerable to that and they will be able to be manipulated. So and people who are looking for a leadership position will be attracted to those places. Uh, I have a random question. Do we think do we think Trump is cluster B? I'm just curious. I do. You do. Oh, yeah. OK, because I, I, I'm looking at him and I feel like there are aspects of him that would fall into this category. And, and there's nothing to that would stop certain, you know, radical Trump supporters or people on the right from also falling into cluster B type behaviors and becoming. Oh, sure. Yeah. You know, from I, I used to be, you know, I used to be an anti-Trump. I used to be a woke person. Right. Yeah. I mean, I was I did some of these things and, <clears throat> you know, I do think. Trump is probably a clinical narcissist, but I think the mistake that I made was he's he's not as sadistic and, male- and malevolent as, as I thought he was. And he was certainly not doing the things that I was told that he was doing. He's not a dictator. He's not tyrannical in, in the way that he was presented. And a lot of the policies that came out of his administration, I actually ended up agreeing with when I stopped hyperventilating long enough to actually look at the facts rather than what I was being told (laughs) to feel about him. But yeah, I do think he's got pathological levels of narcissism. I think you, I think you almost have to, in a sense, to even like get into politics, to be honest. Yeah. Yeah. At that level anyway. Yeah. Well, that's it. We we did a really went around the circle there. Yeah, we did. I mean, I feel like we could honestly talk to Josh for hours. We should probably wrap it up though, because I mean, we're yeah. about right, what, an hour and a half. Yeah, a yeah. Bit. I don't know. We could do more diagnostics, not diagnostics here from libs of TikTok, but 
I don't have I don't have any more pulled out. Although we didn't really talk about like this woman so much or this man who's presenting as a woman. Well, because one thing that I wanted to they had the stare. They had the stare. Let me just show the screen real quick. She had the stare, but you know what also really bothered me about him, her, it, they, whatever, (laughs) is that she had this like weird smile, like this over exaggerated, excessive, like. It, and it doesn't yeah. change it's, it's like smug it strikes it's me as same, smug but it's the yeah. same expression throughout you know yeah. and it and it's, it's it's clear that it's being put on as you know like a like an act yeah. and and that's really kind of what it comes down to is that a lot of these folks it, their their entire shtick is an act it's it's a you know collection of behaviors that they're either aping or that they've you know f- had success with in the past that yep. allows them to gain compliance from their targets. Yeah, and then they turn around and they look at someone like Chappelle, who's actually up there doing an act, and we all know it's an act. And they're they're like they take everything one hundred percent literally, and he's an evil trans hating bigot. Even though the whole point of that comedy special was actually to pay tribute to a trans friend of his who died and committed suicide six days after they got canceled by the woke mob because they stood up for Dave. Yeah, well, they don't so, talk about that. It's like anyone who missed the real true message, I think, of what Chappelle was trying to say in the special. It's like you're you're an ideologue. You're looking for something to be mad and upset about, and perhaps you 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 just you want the attention the tantrum brings you and it's just it's the freaking oppression olympics like i'm trans but also queer but also black it's like well then who's more oppressed than you maybe there's someone who's trans and also black and also queer but also has one leg and maybe an eye patch and you know peterson talks about this all the time and you could fracture someone's identity down to a million little things and when you when you do that and you really analyze the complexity of a person, it comes down always to the individual. Every individual is unique. And you can't just say like, like, for example, my mom is pale as a ghost, right? But she has cerebral palsy, lives in a wheelchair, um, can't read, she's basically illiterate. It like, is, is she less oppressed than say this person who can walk around and speak and talk and work a normal job and have normal relationships and all that? Yeah. Even though they're trans and they're black, right and queer, yeah, and it doesn't. It often doesn't make sense in the How real material world. How do you weigh who's more oppressed and who's not? And can you really reduce it? We to should stop things? doing it all together. I mean, that's what we all want, of course. Because <laughs> you can't reduce it to something as simple as just like your skin color or or your sexuality or those things. Because there's always going to be someone more oppressed than you. And if you keep playing this game, this is what we're going to get. We're going to get all these little tribal groups arguing over all this shit. And it's like it's why the left is just fractured now. They can't. They're not the anti-war movement of the past. Well, see, it's a, it's a lack of it's it's a lack of we have demonized the concept of personal responsibility yes and over the past 50 years we've moved away from seeing ourselves as humans with agency who make choices that are either productive or unproductive in our lives to passive recipients of outside structural forces everything is systemic and structural it's disembodied it's yep. a system but nobody's responsible for it so for example you know um, and I'm not, I'm not, I'm not picking on you here, but like to take the example of how you described your mom, right? Is your mom oppressed, or is it that she has serious disabilities that make life more difficult for her? She was born with cerebral palsy, right? That's a serious handicap that will limit what she has the ability to do. But does that make her oppressed? Does that mean that other people are oppressing her? 
No. no. I would say not necessarily. No. I mean, no. if if we live in a world where we don't have any access for wheelchairs, where people won't do anything uh, to allow people with disabilities to participate, then yeah, then we can talk about some societal problems that are standing in their way. But the problem comes from the disability itself or for somebody else who's a diabetic, who's insulin dependent, has to be very careful about how many carbohydrates they eat, can't be that far away from a refrigerator where their insulin is kept. Yes, they're going to have a more difficult life, but they're not oppressed by society. They are handicapped by a physical reality. Life is suffering. You know, life yeah. is suffering. Nobody victimized you, right? Right. And yeah. that's well, and again, it comes back to how they are willing to distort and weaponize language in order to cudgel you into compliance because they use that language that, oh, I am oppressed because it's it's designed to garner sympathy and it's designed to garner, you know, acceptance of whatever follows. Yeah. It, it's, it's hard too to just like let people use, say, handicaps as an excuse. Although I understand it's difficult, right, to grow up that way. And my mom has been through a lot, man. And sure, uh, she's not oppressed, but she's definitely been like victimized in a sense in her life. Yes. In certain that doesn't mean, I don't mean yeah. to suggest that victimization doesn't i'm I'm agreeing with you like the other day um a couple weeks ago i don't remember his name but i found this guy i was scrolling through instagram and i found this this uh black athlete um and man i saw him like doing so much crazy shit like acrobatics and like he was even boxing and like to do that with no legs he had no legs up to here like almost to where like the waist is nothing yeah, his arms were so buff and shredded and he was moving around doing all this crazy stuff, athletic stuff, like stuff that people would probably think someone like him would not even be capable of doing. So it's important too to recognize that even though, yeah, we have shortcomings and we may have handicaps or like I'm gay and you're gay and that makes us have our own particular problems. That doesn't mean we let it hold us back and we walk around the world thinking we're perpetual victims. Then you'll never do shit. There are plenty of handicapped people, people who've gone through terrible suffering who have lifted themselves up and taking responsibility and didn't, didn't let that keep them from living, you know? And, and I'm going to bring back my mom again as a point, because as much as I love her in many ways, she, she did and let her handicap kind of keep her back. And to this very day, she still has not quite accepted that she just can't do the things other people can. And instead of making the best of it, you know, she constantly dwells on it constantly. So yeah. yeah, we all have our own particular, you know, circumstances that we're born into, mm-hmm. and we come with some advantages and we come with some disadvantages. Yeah. And that's just the nature of life. It's the nature of life, man. It's it's suffering. Like we're all gonna go through some shit to some extent. Like I'm not gonna go around and play this game where I expect people to walk around eggshells around me because oh my god, I'm gay and my life was harder than yours. You should treat me special. It's like no, I just want right. to be like a person. And there are there are trans people out there too, like that. Blair White's an example yeah. of that. So it's important to make the distinction, but I think what we're talking about ultimately is even more important. It's, it's the fact that there are these cluster B pathological type people, these psychopaths, and they will play act being the victim and they will use that, you know, for something else that has nothing to do with rights or anything of that sort. I would say, and I know we're wrapping up here. I appreciate you guys uh, having me on. This is a really fun conversation. Um, I would say that if we, we, we talk a lot about public health crises and I'm really skeptical of that terminology, but I would say, <laughs> I would say that we actually do have 
some, some major societal crises that you might characterize as public health problems. And I would say that the, the explosion in the number and influence of cluster Bs, but more than that, the lack of a national conversation about this reality is a crisis that we're in right now. Agreed. I think it is one of our biggest unacknowledged societal crises. And that's why I do my show. I think we need to talk about this as much as possible until we get it, until we understand where we are and we change our approach to it. Agreed. I think we're on the same page. And for many reasons, it's also why we did the show. A lot of things fascinate us, but the psychological makeup of massive movements and things like that, or psychopathy, that's one of the biggest topics Oh, it's fascinating. That has driven my search for like meaning and like trying to understand like what is evil and and how how do horrible things happen in the world to other people and other people doing it to each other. So it's what's driven us too. And and we think the lack of information, the lack of understanding that these sorts of, I mean, sometimes we call them intraspecies predators uh, exist amongst us and can and can be like chameleons they can blend in they can pretend to be something they're not and if if you're not if you don't have the information and you can't recognize the patterns and see it for what it is you will be a victim of these sorts of people at some point in your life if you have not been already and society as a whole is victim to people like this especially when they end up in positions of power so yeah well thank you so much josh for seriously yeah let people know where they can find you um, well, the podcast is called Disaffected, and you can find it on YouTube, Odyssey, Rumble, all the audio platforms, iTunes, Spotify, Pandora, etc. Our website is disaffected.fm. And we come out, uh, our shows come out Sunday night on YouTube. They do what they call the live premiere. So if you want to jump in and chat with other people live, even though we pre-tape it, you know, it goes live at 9 p.m. on Sunday. So cool. Eastern Standard Time. Yes, Eastern time, correct. Gotcha, sweet. Yeah, maybe we'll tune in tonight. Maybe we'll chat with some people. Yes, can. I can't wait. Cool. I will wrap it up. You can come and diagnose with me. Yes. yes we'll I love it. it. It's so much Dude, fun. Josh, thank you so much again for coming Thanks, on. Thanks, guys. Well, good work. Awesome conversation. Subscribe, comment, do all the things. Share if you want yeah. the channel to grow, and we'll be back again yeah. soon with another one. And go follow Josh. Go listen to his podcast and talk about these things, man. Don't be afraid. Uh, stand up to the cancel mob. Have these conversations, man. Absolutely. Later, guys. Thanks, guys. Take care.